Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Kyler Wagner. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this, it's because you want to hear our uncensored, <laughs> unfiltered thoughts and opinions in the world of movies and entertainment news, so kick back, relax, and thank you for being part of the conversation. Dude, you nailed it! Oh man, I was just tapping into Nick right there. <laughs> he does a relax. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot that. It's okay, it's okay. So uh, Nick is still on vacation. He would send his love, but he actually hates you all. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. So today we have Mr. Kyler Wagner lovely member of the movie nights if you've watched any of our short films this is the man responsible for shooting all of them i think yes if you don't like them i am not involved in any way so (laughs) if you like them i send a follow-up but did you like how it looked (laughs) uh so yes yes it's going to be a fun show we actually have a lot to talk about today and i'm actually really interested with this dynamic on the show with kyler because for those of you any longtime listeners know kyler and i infamously are normally on polar opposites on things not always but sometimes usually with this disclaimer being said we're it would be funny if we agree on literally everything yeah that right would be now. hysterical and you're just gonna hear me rant and you're gonna be like yeah yeah and this and that so we'll see it would be really funny but but also like i i almost know for a fact that if someone wants a movie opinion they text both you and me because they're like what's the if they both like it it must be good <laughs> or if they both say it's bad it must be bad if I say I like it and you say you don't like it, then yeah. they're like, ah, oh, Kyler has bad taste. <laughs> no, no, <So>. not normally. <laughs> Usually that just means, oh, don't know what to expect. Here we go. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. So uh, our first big story, because like last week we uh, posted the interview that we did because we took a little vacation for Thanksgiving. So we have a many weeks of news to catch up on. So this first story comes to us from Deadline, and it involves Walter Hamada going to Paramount Pictures. Kyler, what did Deadline have to say? Deadline says, Hamada's deal starts January 1st, and he'll be the architect of Paramount's mainstream horror genre pod, with the mission to release several low- to mid-budget films per year across theatrical and streaming. Thank you for giving us that quote, and um, I... Again, we have not talked about this. I have no idea how he feels about it, so I'm just going to give my thoughts. I think this is a really smart move on Paramount. Wrong. No. <laughs> uh, reason being is because uh, Walter Hamada um, was one of the main shepherds of the Conjuring universe over at Warner Brothers. And the Conjuring being as successful as it is in those movies is the reason why they eventually moved him over to DC. And then when the new CEO, David Zaslav, came to DC, he was like, we're redoing all of DC. You can leave. And just kind of, he left. And But that's not to overlook how successful he was with that Conjuring universe. He literally brought it into the forefront and created a universe of horror films that have combined grossed over a billion dollars, maybe even two. I have to look into that. But um, now with Paramount. Paramount's my favorite movie studio right now. This is news to no one. I always talk about how Paramount much... Paramount is killing it. They are that's crushing fair. it. And especially with their most recent success of Smile, which was made in a budget of $17 million and is now gross over 200 worldwide, mm-hmm. having someone like Walter Hamada come in and be the one overseeing specifically horror, something he has a lot of experience in, and something that um, he can basically do Smile with a bunch of different movies, make them all successful. And not only that, he has relationships with filmmakers that really adore him in those universes. Yes, but go on <laughs> <laughs> uh i think deadline they painted him in a good light which yeah. he may not deserve okay right like let's be honest he was fired a year early mm-hmm. right he this was out of nowhere mm-hmm. right uh he probably saw it, people in the company probably saw it but he was he was fired mm-hmm. and paramount probably saw the opportunity and got a good deal on him mm-hmm. uh he was accused of racism he yes, was accused of Ray enabling Fisher. Joss Whedon's behavior in mm-hmm. Justice League. Yep. Um, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> uh, Joss Whedon uh, had claimed claims he removed most of Ray Fisher's scenes because he was a quote unquote bad actor. Mm-hmm. However, Ray Fisher had other things to say. Please look at Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he also allegedly, Joss Whedon also allegedly threatened Gal Gadot's career while in an argument on set mm-hmm. uh, and then blamed cast, crew, and just the internet at large mm-hmm. for uh, his downfall. But Hamada is said to have backed him and supported him through these claims. Um, so I think that could play a part in, you know, 
how they're trying to throw that under the rug and say, oh, yeah, look at Paramount Plus. Hamada's mm. a part of it. And look at all the money we've made. But they, they kind of glaze over that part. Mm-hmm. Also with Zaslav, yeah, he's coming in and he's just chopping heads off yeah. left and right. He's yeah. chopping off movies. I think Batgirl was finished uh, being made. And then he was like, yeah, no, yeah. not being made anymore. <laughs> they're like, oh, it's already filmed. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they say that was the reason why Hamada got really pissed and started his exit was because yes. of Batgirl's cancellation. Yeah. Uh, there was an alleged proposal to replace mm-hmm. Ben Affleck with Michael Keaton as Batman, uh, who would become a senior sage and mentor for younger heroes, they say. Um, Zaslav said, no, mm-hmm. none of that's happening. Mm-hmm. And then Hamada and him got into an argument. And that's why another reason why they're like, oh, maybe that's why he got fired. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, my thoughts are Deadline just released a PR stunt by Paramount to promote this uh, new acquisition of him as a lead and also try and promote their low to mid budget movies, which Paramount, like you said, they've been killing it. But with Hamada in store and his plans to release a bunch of low-budget movies, is that going to hurt their future as a streaming service and hurt their future as a production company? Because uh, Paramount is kind of behind in terms of the amount of content that they produce. Mm-hmm. So are they just going to throw out a bunch of crap and hope that they can catch up? Or are they going to make good content? Well, so. I think Paramount has been very adamant in being patient because they had a, a lot of pressure to put Top Gun on streaming during the pandemic because mm-hmm. a lot of big budget movies were going to streaming and they were like, nope, we're just going to wait. They waited over two years. I saw the trailer for Top Gun Maverick in 2019 at Comic-Con mm-hmm. and they just were like, wait, because they knew they had something special. I feel like they're going to do that same thing with their horror stuff, hopefully. And playing devil's advocate for Walter Hamada at DC... He was hired after Justice League was done. Yes. So, yeah, to be clear, he wasn't on set. He wasn't Doing part of things. it. However, yes. but he stuck when, his nose where it obviously didn't belong then. Yes. yes. And that came back to bite him in the butt. Yes. And with that being said, obviously, you know, those questions are up in the air. Mm-hmm. I think him being at Paramount would be the true testament of his character. The stories we hear about him on set, the stories we hear about him shepherding that universe that mm-hmm. or that new just horror production in general yes and we'll be able to see what he does and see what he can do i personally think it will equal to money that's what i personally think yeah i think in the short term money i think in the long term you know who who knows where it could end up Mm -hmm. but uh i think generally speaking for movies specifically Mm -hmm. it's a net positive Mm -hmm. because he is a good producer at the end of the day even if he's you know maybe not doing the best things Mm -hmm. but if they're going to keep him in the circle then Hopefully, he'll produce something good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So, what do you guys think about Walter Hamada joining uh, Paramount and kind of shepherding their new horror strategy over there? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. And this next story uh, comes from a source that we don't have all the time here on the show, from the New York Times. And it involves two people in horror that I absolutely adore, both Jason Blum and James Wan. Everyone knows I'm a James Wan fan here. And um, it, it seems that they're, they're going to be merging Blumhouse and Atomic Monster, their two production companies, into one. Kyler, what did New York Times have to say? So the New York Times says, Mr. Blum and Mr. Wan declined to discuss the contours of the proposed deal, except to say that Atomic Monster would become a creatively autonomous label inside of Blumhouse and have a first look deal with Universal. They hope to close the deal during the first quarter of next year. So um, when you dive into the article a little bit more also, you do find out a few things. One of them being um, there is a Conjuring 4 happening and there is a Nun 2 happening with Atomic Monster, but they've already had their deal with Warner Brothers, so that will not be affected by the new first look deal with Universal, mm-hmm. the Conjuring, the leftover Conjuring movies. So those will be finished off with Warner Brothers, but I think this is fantastic news, uh, personally. One, because Jason Blum, to me, is the second best producer in Hollywood behind Kevin Feige. I think his we just talked about earlier about taking low budget movies and creating success and creating mostly good content. Mm-hmm. He's the master of that. Not all of the movies are good, but I don't I'm I'm struggling to think of a unsuccessful Blumhouse movie. Yeah. When you paint in terms of just numbers as opposed to critic reviews mm-hmm. and uh, general audience, yeah, they are successful, mm-hmm. right? Cuz Blumhouse makes horror movies and you can make a horror movie on a micro budget Mm -hmm. micro budget of a million dollars and get four million you're like oh man that's a success yeah yeah all right blum it's a success Mm -hmm. but you're also 
cashing it in. Um, my thoughts, more Blumhouse movies. Uh, J- so Jason Blum, uh, in the in the article, when you read it, he says that he wants to m- essentially double the amount of movies that he's making. Yeah. So Blumhouse makes, on average, three to four movies a year. Mm-hmm. He wants to make eight movies a year. We just said not all of them are hits. <laughs> So we're doubling the amount of misses, is what I, we're saying. I don't think that that's going to be the case because because it does say that Atomic Monster will act on its own under Blumhouse. So I think that within that, Jason Blum's mind is not going to be occupied with the Atomic Monster movies. They're just going to be officially owned under him because James Wan apparently part of the deal is that he'll get some stake in Blumhouse. Yes, because Blumhouse is the more successful company. But hey, Blumhouse puts out bangers, man. They just did the Black Phone. They, they also just did Halloween Ends. Which was not great, but <laughs> financially, huge success. Yeah. Um, and um, they did The Black Phone. I believe Blumhouse was one of the producers on Get Out as well. Yeah. They did Sinister. Yep. No, they, they do a lot of great movies. Like yeah. here I said, here are two movies that they came out with this year. They mm-hmm. made more, but mm-hmm. let's just go with a high and a low. Yeah. I said The Black Phone. It's a yeah. great horror movie that has dreamlike sequences, mm-hmm. good horror elements, jump scares that are well placed, and just overall a great story. Halloween ends, which I said, Dalton, you can probably speak more to. I didn't watch it. Yeah. Uh, but general fantastic. reviews that I looked up can be summed up in one word. Mid. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not it's not the best, but it's not the worst news. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Wan, I am excited for. Other than that malignant nightmare. That oh, happened. oh, what's behind me? I know. <laughs> he um, hates Malignant and he's wrong. It's a great movie. James Wan says that he has a ton of ideas, which I believe. Uh, doesn't mean that they're all great ideas, but now he has the financial backing to get all those made. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Universal says that they're really supportive of filmmakers and brilliant at marketing, which, true, they've been around for forever. They know how to get movies seen. Yeah. Um, and as as much as I didn't enjoy Halloween Ends, the trailers were great. Yep. So I, I think it's going to be cool to see James Wan's future creations as long as he stays away from Aquaman and Malignant universes. <laughs> He's going to keep doing that. Um, <laughs> I believe he also helped produce The Conjuring 3, which was mm-hmm. pro- definitely the worst Conjuring mm-hmm. out of the three, even though it wasn't horrible. Yeah. It's just Conjuring 2 is just one of the best horror movies. Yeah. So yeah. You, you can't live up I, to that. I, I think his deal with the Conjuring... I agree with you about Conjuring 2. But but I also think that part of his deal with Conjuring is like, I created it, I get money when they happen. Yeah. And they're like, okay. Same with Saw, I believe. Yep. I don't know about all the Saw movies, but I know for a while he was getting Saw checks just because he made the first one. Yeah. I, I, I am really concerned about Jason Blum with his uh, aspirations of doubling the amount of movies. Like, hey. That's, that's a lot of movies when half of them are bad. Hey, listen, he, he made Freaky. I'll listen to whatever he does. So <laughs> what do you guys think about Jason Blum and James Wan merging production companies? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. And this next one comes to us from Deadline. Apparently, there's a new Alien movie coming from Disney in 20th Century. And um, that's great news. They even had a little bit of a casting in there. But I didn't even know the movie was happening. And watch, I'm going to dive deep on the YouTube channel. Turns out we reported on this like six months ago. But um, Kyler. What did Deadline have to say about this new Alien film? Yep. So Deadline says, Not much is known about the pick other than the iconic, ferocious race of alien beings called Xenomorphs will be front and center. Again, reigning horror terror... Again, reigning terror against the humans that cross their paths. Sorry. Uh, 20th Century and Scott Free made this a top priority after hearing Alvarez's pitch, and after a recent script was delivered, things only gained speed in getting this film in front of cameras by early 2023. Yes, and I believe the casting is a cast and actress named Kaylee Spain- Spaney? Spaney? Kaylee Spaney, who yes. has been in a couple of things. She was in um, uh, uh, On the Basis of Sex and mm-hmm. Bad Times at the El Royale, both of okay. which are good. Yes. Uh, but she really hasn't been anything else other than a TV show that has generally not great reviews but just a hey a throwaway sci-fi type show i got you okay now the big news coming out of this obviously other than another alien movie is fede alvarez i fucking love fede alvarez and (laughs) i i didn't see his most recent film the dragon tattoo sequel the spider's web the girl in spider's web i did not watch that just because i heard it wasn't great but love the 2013 Evil Dead film. Love it so much. If he did Evil Dead, oops. And he also did Don't, Don't Breathe, breathe yeah. which is also which great. Which is great up until the last two minutes when you just want to throw up for no reason. <laughs> uh. Love it. <laughs> I did throw up. No, I didn't. 
but um no he he can uh clearly make good thriller horror movies yeah, listen, like he, he is talented in that seeing don't breathe in a theater when that sequence happened and just everyone collectively being like like together was yeah. amazing and uh the 2013 evil dead film herculean task of because it was built as a remake i refuse to call it a remake for reasons i won't get into but um it was built as a remake to one of the most iconic horror franchises of all time and it crushed it like out of the park i mean yes it was being produced by raimi and bruce campbell and all that but like it had the herculean task of being making a movie that none of the fans even remotely was like i don't want i don't want this right crushed it so with that being alone and knowing how fucking scary that evil dead movie is which kyler hasn't seen the new the 2013 one but i will make him watch it don't worry and um (laughs) just how scary that movie is mixed with alien come on i i'm in i'm excited to see his work Mm -hmm. i think the movie is going to be bad okay the it's alien hasn't had a good movie since 1986 come on dude the only good movie other than that was the one movie where they had to team up with predator no, that movie's not good. Alien vs. Predator is trash, but at least it's kind of like Godzilla vs. Kong, where you're like, okay, okay. fine. <laughs> um, so I take it you're not a Prometheus fan and not an Alien Covenant absolutely fan. Absolutely not. Actually, I agree with The Guardian. <laughs> so The Guardian says... <laughs> so let me, let me read what The Guardian says, and yeah. what I'm about to read sounds really pretentious, because it is. It's The Guardian. <laughs> but they, they say this. Every alien since 2012's Prometheus have adopted the position that everyone is fascinated by minor elements of the original film, such as the mysterious space jockeys or engineers, Mm -hmm. and will happily sit through several hours of yucky, high-concept posturing about where they might have come from. Yeah. (laughs) That's, That's basically it. Like, if you go watch an alien movie, give me some horror elements. Give me more thriller elements. Don't give me this, uh... Almost like you're trying to be a rival without being a rival. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like this high concept Mm sci-fi. And that's what they've really been trying to tap into. But they obviously can't do it. Yeah. Just go back to being almost a slasher. (laughs) Yes. Well, we don't know what the movie is. We don't know if it's going to be... I I doubt it's a sequel to Alien Covenant. It takes place before. I think they're done with that. Mm -hmm. It's probably some type of sequel or just movie in that world. I'm curious to see what it is. And I have faith in Fede Alvarez, personally. I, I have faith in him. I also really hope that they take a page out of Dan Trachtenberg's book. Mm, uh, with because Prey. with Prey, that was one of the best Predator movies. That movie was great. In such a long time. It was good. And it was so good. It was so grounded. Uh, and it told a really concise story. So I hope that they do that with Alien. Yes, but put it in the theaters. I wanted to see Prey in theaters so badly. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that to Prey. Prey didn't yeah. deserve the yeah. Hulu, straight to Hulu. I agree. I agree. But what do you guys think about this new Alien movie coming from Disney and 20th Century Fox? Ha ha, Xenomorphs. Uh, <laughs> let us know in the comments below as we move on to our next story. This next one comes to us from Deadline as well. And uh, a few weeks ago on the show, we reported that Blade had lost its director. Well, it has found a new one. Kyler, what does Deadline have to say? I apologize in advance for misspeaking anyone's name. Uh, sources tell Deadline, Yan Demange, Dem- Demange has signed on to direct the pick with Michael Starbury to write, the new, to write a new stri- script. Mahershala Ali is starring in the titular role with Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige producing. After Tariq moved on, from Project, Marvel decided not to rush on finding his replacement as they wanted to make sure they got the right director and writer and decided to push pause on pre-production. Thank you for that. So Thank you I'm, for that butchering of a no, quote. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, it happens. There, like, there's a reason why I give them to someone else because I know I'll do worse. But uh, I, So this news, I'm unfamiliar with the work of the director. But the reason why I wanted to point this out as a story is because this is what I'm happy to, see, to hear. I'm happy to hear that when the film was in trouble and about to shoot, they didn't just start and go, we'll figure it out, right? Because Marvel has how many things going on right now? Like everything under the fucking sun. But the fact that Feige and company decided, hey, it's not working. Shut it down. Let's find somebody. Let's rewrite the script. Mahershala, please don't leave. We got this. Just have faith in us. What about the overarching story? I know what it is. I'll figure it out. I'll place it and we'll be fine. Right. And the fact that they took the time to actually find somebody rewrite it. Now they're ready to go. I like hearing that because we've seen other studios. We've seen even old comic book movies make the mistake of starting when they weren't ready and it and going badly. 
And so I'm glad to hear that. Again, I'm unfamiliar, I'm unfamiliar with the director's work, but hey, I'm here for it. I love Blade. That's my big thing. <laughs> so a couple Excited things. Uh, Yang, uh, I, I said I'm not sure how this will go mm-hmm. just because uh, 71, that's the name of Yan's movie. Mm-hmm. It's his most well-known movie, and it's a character-focused film about a riot happening on the streets of Belfast, and it's focusing on a character going through that mm-hmm. experience. Um, so that seems really uh, dark, really gritty, very uh, explicit. Uh, so depending on how this new script is and depending on how much Kevin Feige is willing to trust that and trust the audience to be okay with such a sh- sharp difference, mm-hmm. uh, it could be pretty cool. But that would mean it's really dark. Uh, Listen, I don't think they're going to double down. Yeah. I think they're going to chicken out and Kevin Feige is going to pull the plug on something and he's going to get upset. The movie's already had a setback. Mm-hmm. It, this is another setback. It was supposed to come out November 2023. It's definitely not going to come out then. No, no, no. And I think they're going to have more issues because I don't think they hired the right director for the tone that Marvel has set over the last mm-hmm. 15 years. Right. I, I think if they are going to let him do his thing, I think it's going to be really good. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to do a great job directing if Marvel's like, make it dark. I have three words that will make me think that they're going to let him make a movie that's different than their previous ones. Werewolf by Night. Is it going to be black and white so we can see blood then? No. <laughs> now, no, no, look, I'm not saying it's going to be an R-rated film. Because from what we understand, the only R-rated thing Kevin Feige has approved is Deadpool 3. Mm-hmm. But you can get away with a lot in PG-13, especially now. And, and I think that part of the reason why they've restarted this whole thing is because they were going down the wrong path of not making it dark. Mm-hmm. So, no, look, I'm not saying we're going to get fucking the original Blade violence and we're going to get, like, you know the Batman levels of emo. Like, I'm not saying that, but but I am I, I saying... I feel like it's not going to be that great unless they do that because of the work that he's done. He's not a very well-known director. He hasn't made a lot of things, but what he has made is supposed to feel like that. Yes. So let him dive into it. I it's agree. almost like when they hired uh, Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. He did What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. yeah. Let him make a dumb comedy with Thor. Yeah. And then that worked out great. Yeah. They have proven that they can trust their directors, mm-hmm. but how much are they willing to put the trust in exactly no i agree but i i i think that feige i think the big problem with the current like phases of marvel movies is feige's being stretched very thin i think that with this was a wake-up call for this particular project of i need to be more involved with this project more involved in terms of being there being available when they need him mm. instead of you guys got this and then like going somewhere which is apparently one of the problems of what's going on because he's a very hands-on producer Mm -hmm. but he tells people that up front like when he hires people he's like hey your movie needs to hit a b and c in the a b and c you can do whatever the fuck you want but you have to hit a b and c by the time it's since we're gonna bring that up what yeah can can you explain your thoughts on just phase four in general because what's happening why did it end with wakanda forever technically guardians mm -hmm. which i saw last night but Mm -hmm. It's all so wildly different from each other. You're yes. like, what the hell's going on well, here? Well, I think right now the phases are pretty arbitrary. I, I, I think... Why, why have phases at all? I, you I set think, it up, you know? I think it's just because fans are like, how am I supposed to rank them if I don't know what phase they're in? And they're like, all right, phase four ends Rank here. them all. Take two hours and go through every single Marvel content yeah. and then rate them from yeah. A to... <laughs> how... Right. That was funny. Now, how Feige described it is how they used to do phases is each phase would leave up to an Avengers film. Right. And then with Endgame, he was like, what I learned from that is, yeah, there were phases one, two, and three, but really it was all leading up to Endgame. I feel like that's a cop-out answer. It is. But he's like, how? He's like, and if it's all leading up to Endgame, then stop making Marvel movies. Because what's it leading up to now? Yeah. Well, there's it's, no it's, direction, it's, or at least it seems like there's no direction. It's leading up to secret wars and kang dynasty in reverse order now i what i will say in regard to phase four the one through line in every phase four project at least that i've noticed and i've seen some discussion about it online is this is this has been the first phase with a common theme i i I know what you're about to say the grief thing yeah grief i i saw that uh being discussed online too Mm -hmm. and i saw some like tiktok videos and Mm -hmm. reviews talking about grief and i was like okay that's not a stretch i believe that Mm -hmm. 
but I feel like that theme is only present because they're trying to just get the new Avengers started, right? And you're going to have to have grief involved in some way Mm because people got to die. Maybe. I I do think that the phases are going to be obviously very different because there's no Avengers movies in the phases until the very, very end of phase six. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, like, for example, if we look at phase five and there's a common theme amongst all the phase five projects, then we can say, okay, themes are the anchors of what the new phases are mm-hmm. you know because we don't know what it is right now because i think with Ant- i think with ant-man and the wasp quantumania which looks good i think i think with that film we're gonna finally see where the story that, is right. leading <laughs> ant-man and the wasp quantumania yeah you look at the trailer mm-hmm. what do you think you think spy kids 3d <laughs> tell me i'm wrong <laughs> They're in the quantum realm. We're like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> Junie Cortez is about to jump out here. And Megan yeah. Trainer's right behind him. Yeah. Like, you'll know what's going on. It, yeah. it's, it seemed very much like that type of, uh, uh-huh. I don't know. Have you seen Halo, the TV show? I've seen the first five episodes. Cool. Do you remember seeing the Covenant for the first time where it looked like bad Power Ranger villains? Yes. That's what. That's the quality <laughs> that I saw in that trailer. So <laughs> I, I'm hoping it's good. I love Paul Rudd. I'm going yeah, to yeah. watch it because Paul Rudd. Yeah. But... They gotta start. They gotta start giving me something more. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's getting hard. Yeah. No. Well, I I think you know. Basically, go, getting back to the, like the <laughs> phases, we really went on a tangent there. But um, getting back to the phases, I think right now it looks like the things that are, that are going to be common amongst the phases instead of leading up to a movie is a theme. We'll see with Phase Five. Maybe there is fucking no common theme in Phase Five, and we're like, what? Phase the fuck Five is just this? gonna end with Secret Wars. No, Phase Five ends with um. I think Fantastic Four is the first of six, so the one right before Fantastic Four. Thunderbolts, I believe, is the end of Phase 5. Okay. So, yes. We'll see. But, anyways, going back to um, Blade. Blade's <laughs> going to happen at some point in Phase 5. Five, probably, yeah. And that will relate to nothing. Thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I hope it's dark. I, <laughs> I hope so, too. That, that's really, oh, here's the one little thing I'll add about Blade. Another reason why I think they will go darker. The studios watch each other's movies. Marvel watched Morbius. And saw them try to not be dark, be vampires, and do the, the you know, the superhero, anti-hero thing. Mm-hmm. And they're probably like, we should not do that. <laughs> and so I think that lesson of seeing that is what we're going to see fixed going forward. Could be wrong. We'll have to see. Maybe what? that's why they hired him. They're like, yeah. oh man, they, they scrapped it right after Morbius came out. Yeah. They're like, oh <laughs> shit, we, we, got, we messed up. <laughs> Maybe. If they ever announced that Guillermo del Toro came back to do Blade again, that would be the best day Guillermo del Toro is on a side mission to become the new Alfred Hitchcock yes. with Cabinet of Curiosities. And yeah. he's like introducing, like he's the host. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very fun. What do you guys think about Blade finding a new director? Let us know as we move on to our next story. This one comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. And turns out, uh, Sony's just out here selling live-action Spider-Man universe shows to people. As Kyler, long as it's not the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> Kyler, what did um, THR have to say? Uh, they said, Angela Kang is trading zombies for superheroes. The news marks the first official confirmation from Amazon that the retail giant and streamer is indeed working with Sony on a slate of Marvel original TV series after the deal had been rumored for the past two years. Lord and Miller will steer the larger franchise for Sony Pictures TV, Amazon, and MGM. Thank you for bringing that in. And this comes to us as a huge surprise. Yeah, Angela Kang is doing it, sure. But, like, there's going to be a live-action Spider-Man universe TV show on fucking Amazon. Where this fascinates me is Sony has just recently made a deal with Disney Plus to allow their content to be on Disney Plus. So Venom, um, Amazing Spider-Man, Toby Spider-Man. I believe those. I know everything from Venom on that Sony made, including the MCU Spider-Man films, mm-hmm. are going to be streaming on Disney Plus, and they'll put them in like the little Spider-Verse tab. So that happening, and then them doing a TV show that's allegedly in that universe, which, by the way, has executive producers of Lord and Miller, who did the animated Spider, uh, Spider-Verse films. Yep. Having that all be attached to it while also taking place in their... Allegedly, this is taking in the same universe as, like, Venom and Morbius. So it's like... So now we're including Amazon in the fray when you've already tried to cross over with... them. But what's going on? The, the only thing I can think of, and I don't know this. This is just me theorizing. 
is maybe they went to Disney Plus with this TV show and they said, all right, we'll give you X amount. And then Amazon was like, we'll give you more. I don't know. But all I'm saying is before throwing it to you, I know you're itching. Um, I'm curious because the character, the TV show is about the character of Silk, who's a very interesting character. Yes. So I have a question about that. Yes. Silk is a part of the Web Warriors. Okay. Web Warriors also have Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen in Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. I'm assuming will be in the uh, new Spider-Verse she is. coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now there's going to be a live action version of her, probably? Or is this going to be we don't just know. her? We don't J- know. Just, from, from, uh, what we know from what we know, it's just Silk. Mm, okay. I mean, that... It's a good workaround, I guess, but mm-hmm. they're opening themselves up to the greater universe, especially since everyone's doing multiverse now. You're yeah. like, okay, where's Silk landing here? Yeah. What fascinates me is that this opens up a number of legal questions. Like, for example, on the MCU Spider-Man films, um, Sony owns the character, the movie rights to the character, but they work in tandem with Marvel and they made a deal like to split it financially, whatever. Live act, um, animated TV... Disney owns all the rights to animated Spider-Man, mm-hmm. which is why he could be in What If and stuff like that. Live action TV, Sony owns, which is why it's not being made at Disney+. Plus. But then now including Amazon in this, they've already co- briefly connected Venom to the MCU by having him get pulled in with the No Way Home spell and then sent home. If this show is in the Venom universe and they try to connect something with Secret... Because I'm, I'm thinking about Secret Wars, right? I'm thinking we're going to get a big crossover with a bunch of multiverse stuff and secret wars. So now with Amazon being thrown into the fray, what rights issues does this, you know, like I do not envy their legal departments right now. That's all I'm saying. Like they got to be fucking, they'll figure it out. They're all billionaires. They can just (laughs) pass money back and forth. True. (laughs) True. But I, I wonder how Disney feels about all this because I, I, obviously Disney doesn't really have a say people. A lot of people out here think like, Oh, Marvel must have a say. They really don't like, Sony does them a courtesy by making that deal with Spider-Man and allowing them to My My only hope is that Marvel doesn't get salty and they're like, oh, well, we're going to make our own Silk character and it's going to be another universe. Well, now they, we're gonna they, ha- they can't. I, yeah, but they're no. going to figure out a way because there's already two vultures in different universes now. So, Well, technically it's the same vulture. <laughs> right, right. And that is more stupid than if just it would have been a different vulture. But Fair. God, I don't want to get they, into that. Yeah. Um, but, but I am excited for uh, Angela King to be a part of it. I yeah. know that she did The Walking Dead for like 30 years. No, like <laughs> nine years or something. Yeah. But she is a Korean writer, producer, and Silk is a Korean yes. uh led superhero so it's gonna be really cool to see more voices heard in different cultures being expanded on big like miss marvel what they yes. did with the uh uh indian culture i thought that was really cool mm-hmm. to bring in a different view mm-hmm. yeah like the pakistan uh, perspective. India, muslim yeah. culture yeah 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 um so I, I thought it was really cool for that and i think it's gonna be really cool to see angela king bring her experience into this culture and into this uh character you know, I agree. I think it'll be really interesting. And I, I'm curious as to what the plan is, too. Because, okay, comic book stuff here for you. At the end of No Way Home, and this doesn't mean that they're going to do this, right? At the end of No Way Home. I have a problem with the end of No Way Home. Okay. Well, I'm sure many people do. We'll, no. we'll get into it. It's great. They just could have... They they should have uh, had Spider-Man jump out of his window right next to the Rockefeller Center and mm-hmm. fight alongside Hawkeye. <laughs> He was right there. You see his apartment at the end of No Way Home, and then it immediately shows Hawkeye in the TV show like a month later. You're like, wait a second. Yeah. Why isn't he helping? Yeah. Where is he? Blame Sony. But uh, (laughs) what I'll say, the end of No Way Home, we find out that part of the Venom symbiote gets left in the MCU. Right. Secret Wars, the comic book, and I believe I have the specific issue. I do. It's all the way in the corner. Mm. That is the, in Secret Wars, the comic is when the symbiote suit gets onto Spider-Man mm-hmm. in the comic books. So I'm my brain is, okay, so at some point during the Secret Wars movie, that's going to happen, which means that's them kind of connecting those universes. I don't know and if they're going to you... They're probably just going to do a thing where Spider-Man's going to be like, oh my God, where's Spider-Man? We need mm-hmm. his help. And then all of a sudden he's in a black suit and he's doing this for some <laughs> I'd reason. I'd be so... <laughs> you know? <laughs> That'd be great, actually. I feel like that's the Marvel joke that they'd throw out there. Yeah. No, but I... 
basically, I, I just want to know how the, all this is going to connect and come together because that's naturally where my brain goes with these kind of things. But I am very interested in seeing the show because Silk is a very, very cool character. So at the end of the day, I'm glad that it's happening somewhere with something. So what do you guys think about uh, Silk getting your own live-action TV show on Amazon with Sony producing? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our final main story. And this is a fucking doozy. According to everywhere, I just pulled a quote from Variety. Um, in an 11th hour thing, Bob Chapek has been ousted as Disney CEO and replaced with Papa Iger coming back. Kyler, what did Variety have to say? Variety says staffers learned of the stunning reversal in the press release emailed by Disney's corporate communications team. The first reaction from a number of employees reached by Variety was skepticism that it was some kind of phishing scam or internet hoax. The shock was even greater as the news was confirmed and the stranger than fiction reality sank in. Yeah, so a lot of the um, reactions coming out of people where they thought it was a joke because it's so insane that something like this would happen. The weirder part is that they got an email a day later from Bob Iger saying that he, all the animators have to show the last 30 days of animation sketches or they're fired immediately. <laughs> is that true? No. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. It's the Elon Musk thing. <laughs> oh, oh my God. That's funny. That's fucking funny. God, my brain was not there. But that's funny. No, so, okay. So first of all, l let's get out of the way right now. Fucking thank God Bob Chapek is gone. Bob Paycheck, out of there. And also... I don't know if you saw, Iger has already fired some of Chapek's right-hand men. Yep. And so the big thing in terms of the entertainment part, the movies and TV part, that Bob Chapek did that I was not a fan of and was very vocal about not being a fan of when it happened was he created a new division in between him and the creatives mm -hmm. where they would decide where content goes. So, for example, if Kevin Feige was like, I have a great idea for a, a Wonder Man movie that department could decide actually it's a show and vice versa. And basically he put business people in charge of creatives that had no creative backing, no creative anything. And it it led to a lot of decisions and it led to a lot of people like Kevin Feige getting pissed, Kathleen Kennedy getting pissed, the head of Pixar getting pissed. Like everyone was getting pissed. Bob Iger has immediately gotten rid of that, mm -hmm. which means I think this is going to be great for long run stuff because now creatives are going to answer directly to Iger or I don't know who in, who's in Alan Horn's old position, but whoever holds that position of the, being just the head of yeah. all that stuff. Because they the, the person that he fired was uh, Kareem Daniel. Yes. But his quote was, uh, he pledged a restructure that honors and respects creativity as the heart and soul of who we are. Fucking A, yeah. dude. That's what we need. And now, granted, we should point out that this Bob Iger coming back is temporary. It's only for two years. So we can look for a new replacement. Yeah, and he was going to be retired a few years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, We'll see. <laughs> but... I think at the end of the day, this is fucking fantastic news for Disney, especially on the movie and TV side. And I think from a quality perspective, things are going to improve drastically because creatives can now answer directly to Iger and have more control over their decisions. Yeah. Um, I mean, Disney just saved itself from everything. Yes. Uh, their stock was dropping lower with... Uh, was dropping lower and lower. Uh, it was the lowest it's been since COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And it immediately jumped 8% up after the announcement. Yeah. Like, that's an, that's a huge jump. Yeah, right? just, just from the faith that people have in Bob Iger. Exactly. Uh, Disney was also losing its magic with Chapek. Uh, Chapek was... What I have here? Chapek was removed early by the board after he had, quote, done irreparable damage <laughs> to his ability to lead. Like, they said this behind the scenes without Chapek. Yeah. And then they were just like, hey, see ya. We got Iger back. And he's like, what? Yeah. And Chapek was at an Elton John <laughs> concert when he found out. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> crazy. And, and also, and like, let, let's go back to that decision of Chapek putting in bosses over the creatives. Kyler, let's have a chat. Hmm. Kevin Feige. Yeah. The man who, right when Bob Iger, or Bob Chapek rather, was coming in, had for a brief spell, it's no longer anymore because they re-released Avatar, but for a brief spell had the highest grossing movie in the history of movies made. And then a new CEO comes in and goes, you have a boss now. Why? Like, just like, <laughs> what, what was the thought there? Like, I just like that always fucking fascinated me. But not just with, with Feige, with everyone in the creative positions they were in. It was like, what the hell? And he's done 
irref- like unfixable damage to Pixar and to animation. And what I mean by that is he trained the movie-going audience to stay to home. Stay home and watch on Disney+. Plus and For na- free, by the way. Yeah. Because the live-action Disney movies, you had to pay a premium just to watch yeah. it, like when Mulan came out, for yeah. example. Yeah, and Black Widow. And Black Widow. But when, uh, uh, what's the... Turning Red. When Turning Red yeah. came out free. When yeah. Soul came out free. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, what are you what are you doing here? And these are not cheap movies, by the way. No. You're just losing money doing this. And now the movies that are being released in theaters aren't doing well because the audience has been taught, oh, just stay home and wait for it. Mm-hmm. You can't fix that. And Chapek was responsible for the fucking stupid lawsuit with Scarlett Johansson, which Bob Iger would have never allowed that to happen. Literally, I'll give you a quick abridged timeline of what happened. They announced that it's going to streaming. Scarlett Johansson and her lawyers email Disney and Bob Chapek like, hey, let's talk about my contract because, you know, it was very much so based on box office results. But, you know, obviously it's different now. Let's have a meeting. Let's get it worked out. Right? Mm-hmm. No, no answer. Months go by. Again, hey, guys, let's talk about this. Like, I really want to, you know, get this deal made. Like, let's talk. Let's get it fixed. Right? No answer. Then gets told by Chapek that it's not a big deal. We're not going to fix it. So what does Scarlett Johansson do? She could be really shitty, right? She could publicly say it. No. She finishes out the entire press tour for Black Widow. Weeks of it. Finishes completely her side of the contract. Everything she was supposed to say. Then one more time. Guys, can we please talk about how I'm going to get paid on this? No answer. She sues them because she fucking has to because no one was listening to her. And then how does Disney respond? How does Bob Iger respond by saying, you know, Scarlett Johansson's kind of a bitch because she wants more money during the pandemic. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, she's just suing for the money that she's owed. Are you really going to pull that card right now? Yeah, when they're a was, multi-billion dollar yeah, company. Yeah, it was like, what the hell? And, then you, and you know that pissed off Feige. You know that pissed off a ton of people who were just like, yeah, Scarlett Johansson's character died, but we could have done, like, a quick thing or whatever with her. That's probably off the table now mm-hmm. because you have went and fucking destroyed that relationship for no reason. Because guess what happened? They had to settle out and pay her millions anyway. So it's like, <laughs> what, what were you trying to avoid there? So I'm just glad that he's fucking gone. That That's that's the, the highlight of everything. Yeah, no, I... I... I'm glad he's back, especially since, you know, we're in Orlando. We're right next to Disney World. Yeah. I mean, hell, you I live near, right like, next, right to, next Disney to Disney. Like, yeah. this is it, – so so much has happened with when Bob Chapek came in. And mm-hmm. sure, maybe Bob Iger had some influence before he left mm-hmm. into what changes would be made. Yeah. But Bob Iger was also CEO and president for 15 years. I feel like if he saw negative impacts, he would have immediately redacted them. Yeah. Chapek doubled down on all the bad decisions and kept pushing forward until he drove park attendance to a low, drove movie attendance to a low, drove revenue all the way down. He just made bad decision after bad decision. So I hope he enjoyed the Elton John concert. Yeah, right. (laughs) The only thing I'll give Paycheck, the only thing, is he was appointed CEO February of 2020, then COVID happened. That sucks, right? Yeah. No one can, that part of the loss of the company, no one can blame him for. Yeah, yeah. Every decision after that, though, <laughs> like, God, just thank you, Papa Iger. I, can't, I cannot wait to see the changes he's going to implement, more specifically to the movie world. Yes, I have a lot of Disney adult friends who are going to, you know, whenever he makes changes to the parks, and I'm not going to hear about it nonstop. But in the movie and TV, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad it's working. What do you guys think about Bob Iger coming back to replace Bob Chapek as CEO, albeit temporarily, quote unquote temporarily? Let us know in the comments as we move on to the B-roll. What is the B-roll? That are just some quick news headlines that we wanted to briefly touch upon, but we didn't have time to fully dive in and talk about it as a full main topic. So we're going to go through them really quickly right now. One of them is coming from Deadline. Uh, Stranger Things star Joseph Quinn, who famously played Eddie Munson, is in talks to join Lupita Nyong'o in the Quiet Place Day One spinoff. Yes. Uh, yes, and maybe no. Maybe no. Um, I'm I'm ex- I'm more excited by uh the director and writer. Yes. Who's going to be Michael Cernoski? Yes. Which, if you don't know, he directed Pig, Pig. which was an awesome movie. It was mm-hmm. a thriller drama starring the one and only Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, he created a really tense environment throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm. and the pacing was great. The story was amazing. I hope he can bring that same 
feeling of just uneasiness to the Quiet Place universe in this prequel. Mm -hmm. Also in the B-roll coming from Deadline, Kristen Stewart is going to make her feature directing debut. She has directed a short film before, and she's going to direct um, Scott Free's adaptation of the the Chronology of Water, excuse me, starring Imogene Potts. I thought it was Poots. Is it Poots? P-O-O-T, It it definitely looks like Poots. I've been saying it wrong my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'm excited to see uh, Imogene Poots and more things. Um, I really like the movie Vivarium, if you have seen it. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Imogene Poots started mm-hmm. that movie, and it was really good. It was a thriller drama, a horror drama, mm-hmm. and it was really, really cool to watch. Um, so I'm excited to see her in more work. Um, also up here in the B-roll, um, according to the rap, uh, Henry Cavill's Superman return that was very touted from Black Adam might be in doubt considering basically the reason why it might be in doubt is because James Gunn has revealed that only him and Peter Safran know the future of DC because they're about to pitch it to DC because they're they're taking like 60 days to do their 10-year plan. And 10-year plan? Mm-hmm. Oh god, no. And they're going to pitch it to <laughs> the brass at Warner Brothers Discovery. And so basically what that means is Henry Cavill might be part of that plan. He might not be. Basically, he was brought back right before James Gunn and Peter Safran were hired. Mm-hmm. And so now everything is just kind of waiting to see what is what is going to be a part of that plan. I personally hope he is part of the plan because I love him as Superman and his cameo in Black Adam ruled. But um, we'll have to see what James Gunn and Peter Safran have in store for that you know creative position. Also, and this is just something I wanted to bring up because I thought it was interesting. Mm. Um, the Again, coming from the rap... Um, there were talks of maybe Namor the Submariner getting a spinoff movie or spinoff project with Disney after appearing in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And um, while that's interesting, one of the producers, I believe it was Nat Moore, or Nate Moore, excuse me, was saying that um, his rights deal is very similar to that of, Universe, of, of Hulk with Universal, and it's under the Universal banner. So basically, Hulk's the, the whole Hulk deal is... Universal has first rights distribution for anything titled Hulk and as a movie, right? Anything involving Hulk or the Incredible Hulk, which means if Marvel were to make a Hulk movie, Universal has to distribute it. Like that's the deal that they made a long time ago, which is why Marvel's been putting Hulk in a bunch of other things. Like he's in Thor Ragnarok, he's in the Avengers movies because they have the production rights to the Hulk. They can use him, but they can't make a Hulk movie without Universal. And they did in the beginning of the universe with Edward Norton because they were getting the universe off the ground and wanted to right. share the profits. Now they're like, fuck you, I'm not sharing well, Let, let me ask you, you a question. Cause yeah. do you, what are your thoughts on Namor as a character? I love the character. Like, let, let's take, because you were comparing it to like Hulk, right? Mm-hmm. Hulk, before he was in movies even, he had TV shows, mm-hmm. he was in video games, like standalone stuff. Yeah. And then you could get these live action movies and everyone loses their mind. Yeah. Namor, this is the first time you see him in live action. Yes. So, it seems like more the uh, producer. He's just he lo- he's himself says that he just loves the character, so yeah. he wants to push for it, but it's yeah. probably not going to happen. Yeah, but the so. thing is, it's common practice in Marvel to spin off characters that appear, right? Like Ironheart is getting a a, a Disney Plus. Yeah, but series. that's not a villain. Echo is getting a Disney Plus series. Um, Punisher back on the Netflix got spun off into his own show from appearing on Daredevil. Like that is a very common thing that happens. And Namor in the comics does not stay a villain. He kind of goes back and forth. Mm. He's similar to Punisher, not in terms of like, you know, I you know, kill people. Like anti-hero-esque? He's similar in that he has, he's not a hero and that he has no allegiance to anyone. But he can be placed on the right and wrong side of things depending on what's going on around him. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, for example, um, he's not going to go help Thanos or go help fight Thanos because... He doesn't give a shit. He's just trying to protect his people underwater, right? And he doesn't know Thanos can wipe out half the population. But if something were to happen where they needed his help to fight and in exchange will help your people with something, maybe there's a food famine going on, I don't know. He'll be like, okay. And then he'll be a hero for that situation. Mm -hmm. Like that's just kind of how he works. So you'd be excited to see him in a spinoff movie or series? anything okay. but what the thing is it looks like it's not going to happen anytime soon because like Hulk, right because of those uh, they legal have that same stipulation that if you title something namor it has to go through universal yeah, it, it looks like he's just going to be a side character like you're saying exactly yeah and i have no problem with that 
And um, last... It's going to be hard to see him, though. He's not flying around anymore. <laughs> I know. He's just... <laughs> Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> no, but uh, lastly on the B-roll, and I, I debated making this a main topic story because it is kind of exciting. Hmm. According to Hollywood Reporter, Princess Diaries 3 is finally being developed, and uh, I, I just want to hear you talk about it. Because All right. So I'm, the Princess Diaries. <laughs> cool, right? Yeah. The last movie came out 18 years ago. Yeah. Calm down with the nostalgia, all right? <laughs> like, they were they were good movies. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. You can still throw them on and have a great time watching it. Julie Andrews herself is actively saying, I'm not going to be in this movie. <laughs> She's 90 years old, people. Yeah. Like, you're going to watch A Princess Diaries without Julie Andrews, too? No, you won't. If they get Anne Hathaway, um, people will. So, uh, Anne Hathaway is an advocate for this, though. Yeah. She, like, if you go on line and just look up Anne Hathaway Princess Diaries 3 you'll find her just saying things in interviews like mm-hmm. oh yes I wanted so badly I can't mm-hmm. wait blah 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 um, Anne Hathaway even said uh, when asked if Julie Andrews would be getting brought back on if this movie were to get made she's like we'll fly out anywhere she is even go to her home and just throw a green screen behind her you're like okay so you're gonna make a bad movie <laughs> like what, what do you what's your point that you're trying to make here and uh, Julie Andrews says Princess Diaries 3 it would be too late to do it now she told that to the hollywood reporter she said there was talk of a sequel many many years ago Mm -hmm. but i don't think it will ever come to pass i think it's going to be the new top gun maverick personally (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah no it'll be exciting if it does happen and uh before we move on i do want to quickly do some uh, little housekeeping here um, well, we love to have you watch us on YouTube. We understand life gets busy. You're constantly running around. And sometimes you just don't want to see our faces, especially Kyler's. So for your listening pleasure, the Movie Nights Roundtable is available in audio-only form on Spotify, Apple, Google, and any of your podcasting apps of choice. Simply open that app, find the Movie Nights Roundtable, and search for our big yellow logo. And with that being said, let's move on to the box office. I love yes. the box office. The box office. So- <laughs> That's so creepy. <laughs> Future editing me is going to freak out. No. Um, so I briefly want to bring up last week's box office because we didn't talk about it very quickly. Last weekend, the weekend of November 18th, number one was Black Panther with $66 million in its second week. That was going to be my guess. <laughs> number two was The Menu with $9 million. Number three, this is surprising. There's a uh, faith-based television show called The Chosen. And they decided to put episodes one and two in theaters as a Fathom event. And it made $8.7 million. And you it know, came in third at the box office. I think they did office. the menu real dirty. Like, let's let's talk about going to a, a theater. Yeah. Any theater. AMC, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go there, and it's a 24 theater theater. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that being used properly? 24 screen theater. 24 screen theater. And 20 of the screens are still Wakanda forever the week <laughs> that the menu comes out. And yeah. you get, like, three showtimes for the menu. Yeah. Like, yeah, obviously they're not going to make a lot of money. Yeah. They did them so dirty there. Yeah, That's money's, my thoughts on that. Money's going to money. But um, coming in fourth was Black Adam making another $4.6 million. And coming in fifth was Ticket to Paradise making another three point one. Now, with that being said, let's go into this past weekend. Now, these numbers are going to be a little wonky because I'm just getting the weekend chart of last weekend, not including the day before Thanksgiving because a lot of people are reporting like five day totals mm. because technically the weekend started Wednesday night. Right. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to, and I'll tell you what total, what the to- their total numbers are now, but I'm just going to do what happened last weekend. Mm. So starting last weekend, coming in first again was black Panther Wakanda forever making another $45 million and it's worldwide total is now 675 million. Wow. Yeah. That's, impressive it's like we, we could say it's profitable that's good it's yeah good. <laughs> it might hit a billion it might not it might come just shy i think right now it's projected to do around 900 do you think they're going to keep pushing it or do a second push before the end of the year no i just think they're going to let it play through avatar because i think, you think av- they're going to let it play through avatar mm-hmm. really yep i feel like once avatar comes out nothing is coming out nothing else Yes, but... Like they might just buy out all the theaters. Disney's just going to own everything. <laughs> I mean, they already do. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that with Avatar, it's going to make a lot of money and continue to make money. But I think you always want that movie, because trust me, I worked in a movie theater for a long time, and I've seen it happen. I've seen people come up to the box office, ask for a movie. I say, sorry, it's sold out. And then they go, all right, well, what about this other movie? 
there's some seats left. Okay. And mm-hmm. then and then by the end of the night, that movie also sold out because so many people were trying to get the other sold out movie. So there is a place for Black Panther. Mm. Um, I mean, it's already just shy of seven. I think by next week, it'll probably be at 700, which is crazy. Yeah. And I don't believe it got a China release. I don't think any Marvel movies this year got a China release. Avatar is, though. <laughs> Money. That's all that means. Uh, coming in second was Strange World making $11 million. Uh, total worldwide box office right now is at $27 million, and it was made on a budget of $180. Mm. I, Not good. I thought that it was going to go on streaming, so I kept refreshing Disney+. And, Plus. and what did we just say about yeah. the whole thing with Bomb like, I literally yeah. kept closing it out and opening it back up, and I was like, where's this movie, man? And then every time I clicked it, it said, watch the trailer. I was like, trailer? <laughs> the movie should be out. Yeah. I didn't realize it was only in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's going to lose it's gonna lose some money, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming in third was Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, making, uh, over the weekend, it made $9.2 million. From Wednesday through the weekend, it made a total of 13. So right now it's made $13 million. Uh, it's only playing for a week, and this is um, 13 more million than any other Netflix movies made. So <laughs> good for them. I Honestly, I hope that, well, the lesson I want Netflix to learn is just release movies theatrically. That's the lesson I want them to learn. But what I think they might do is since they didn't market the movie, and technically you can say 13 million is not a lot of money, even though for a movie that wasn't marketed and is only in theaters for a week, that's pretty nuts, mm-hmm. especially with Black Panther out right now. I think what what they're I think they have a narrative that they're going to try to push of like, oh, see, it didn't work, and it's like you did it for a week with no marketing, and it came like that's. Yeah. I think insane. the weirdest part was I sat down, I looked up, and I saw the Netflix logo on a movie screen. I was like, what? You were like, what? wait a second, <laughs> something's not right here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, coming in fourth was Devotion, which made $6 million. It's another fighter pilot movie starring Jonathan Majors and mm. Glenn Powell, who was also in Top Gun Maverick. Hey. Total um, domestic box office right now is at $9 million. That's what it made through the Thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, days. Coming in fifth was The Menu, making another $5.2 million. Its total worldwide box office is at $33 million. I don't know what its budget was, but it, d- it didn't seem like that high-budgeted of a movie. It was like so, three locations. Yeah. So, I mean, I think... And I think the salaries were probably negotiated down because, you know, I'm sure that filmmaker was like, please help me. <laughs> Which, by the way, I'm not going to get into a whole review of the menu right now. I will. It's great. I'll you should say, go watch it. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. And can I tell you something? Hmm. As soon as the movie ended, I went to McDonald's and got a cheeseburger. I wanted one so bad oh. by the end of the movie. <laughs> and also, Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt crushed it. I thought they oh, all did yeah. great. Yeah, no, that that movie, definitely worth watching. Yeah. One of Voldemort's best. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, next week is going to be interesting because there's a lot of new releases out right now. The Fablemans is out, Bones and All is out, but they're in kind of limited capacities. Mm-hmm. Um, next week you have the release of Violent Night, and uh, there's another movie coming out that I forget the name of. So it's going to be, this is when the free-for-all at the box office starts to happen, where I think Black Panther is going to stay number one until we get to Avatar. Probably. And um, Avatar is projected to make, it comes out in mid-December, it's projected to make about... Like $150 million or something on the opening weekend? Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. The first Avatar opened to 70, and it became the highest grossing movie of all time because it just stayed in See, the top I five. I think people shouldn't watch it opening weekend. Because that will tell Hollywood to wait 13 years to make a sequel. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, hey. No, no. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be good. Listen, I'm just happy because James Cameron's already started the press tour. And he's already saying some insane shit. And I love it. He's a wild person. I love it. Dude, he just did one of those videos for, like, the breakdown of their career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highly recommend watching it because he just talks I didn't smack. finish it, but I started it. It's so good. But, uh, yeah, that was the most recent weekend box office for you guys. And um, we do have a little movie review for you today. Um, Kyler and I both saw, we all we saw a few movies, you know, over the course of the weekend. But one thing that we both saw and we're both excited to talk about was the movie Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. The sequel to Knives Out, which stays in theaters until Tuesday, I believe. And then around Christmas, it drops onto Netflix. Yeah. It's out for a week and then you can't watch it for a month. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that that was their marketing. Mm-hmm. Um. I we we have not talked about what we feel about the movie, so I'm excited about this. I'm gonna go first. Not only did I really really like the movie, I think I like it more than the first movie, and I love the first movie. I think that the way that this this movie is a masterclass in how to reveal information to an audience, 
and how to tell a nonlinear story and have it not feel like a shtick. Like it felt like this is the only way this story can be told is to tell it this way. And because you get ahead of yourself thinking you know what the movie is going to throw at you and then it throws something else at you. And it's very, very... We're not going to spoil anything, by the way. That's going to make it hard. Oh, well, I can't spoil anything? Well, it, it doesn't come out till Christmas. Oh, right. Yeah. No spoilers. But um, the entire cast did excellent, especially Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc. Fucking has so much fun playing this role. He has a line reading where he says the phrase Holly Berry, and it's probably the greatest line reading I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I think I one of the best it. parts of the movie is the fact that you get more Benoit Blanc. Yes. It's like he's brilliant. It, the character is just hilarious yes. in every way. Yes. Um, like I said, the entire cast was great. I was so happy to see Jessica Henwick get more work, especially in a big movie. I love Jessica Henwick. She was the only good thing about Iron Fist, and I'm glad she made it. Her career made it out okay. <laughs> and um, I thought she, it was great to see her, Catherine Hunt, Edward Norton, everybody. Like, everybody in the movie was, even Batista, I thought was really was really good. Oh, yeah. No, um, Batista and uh, Ed Norton were amazing in the movie. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, honestly, everyone was really good. Um, yeah. I think my favorite... Um, Sorry, my favorite uh, uh, character in the movie mm-hmm. was Janelle. Oh yeah, Janelle Monae's character. J- she did phenomenal. She in the movie. was insane. Like yeah. I thought she was gonna play a smaller part, and then yeah, like a third of the way through, you're like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. Everything is out the window yeah. right now, and she crushes it. Yeah, and she's insanely good. Yeah. Also, the movie has a lot of cameos in it that I was not anticipating, <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> Like, especially the cameo, I won't say who it is, but when they arrive at the dock to go to Greece and someone comes around and is like... Yeah, that was I, funny. I was like, that was really what funny. is this person doing in the movie? But <laughs> it was it was really fun and great. Um, but yeah, how do you how do you feel about the movie? I mean, I, I think it's you like it based off what you said. I, but how yeah. do you feel about it as compared to the first one? And this opinion can change with time, obviously, but... So um, I, I definitely want to watch it again. Yeah. Um, but... It's it's amazing. It's a great movie. I left the theater pumped. I was like, I want to go home and watch Knives Out 1 again just because yeah. of, I love the character. I love the way that uh, Ryan Johnson. Yeah. I love the way that Ryan Johnson just tells a mystery story. Mm-hmm. It's like he just sat in a room and watched the movie Clue <laughs> for 30 years straight and then walked out <laughs> and said, I can make mystery movies. And then he does. Yeah. Uh, Glass Onion is an amazing film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as good as the first one. Okay. I think the beginning of Glass Onion mm-hmm. feels very rushed in that it's so exposition heavy. And I know that he it, it comes off as intentional. Mm-hmm. It comes off in a comedic way, yeah. intentional. And I was like, okay, that's a really funny way to do it. Mm-hmm. But man, they cram a lot in in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like slow down. And then once they get to the main part of the story mm-hmm. you're like okay now i can breathe again yeah um i thought that you get you know you get more benoit blanc which is mm-hmm. amazing i think the story wasn't as fun compared to the first one for me mm-hmm. just because of the first one as soon as i watch it like that's an instant classic yeah yeah like every november time throw it on yeah. you're gonna watch it every year this one felt like a very great uh sequel to expand on the benoit blanc verse yeah right on the knives out universe Uh and creating essentially a sherlock holmes in modern Mm -hmm. day where there's this new character all of a sudden that's going to be solving mysteries yeah and throughout both movies now he gives reference he's like oh yeah i've done a case like this and you're Uh like oh i want to see that case yeah yeah so i i think it's an amazing movie i think i rated it like four out of five but the first one i put five out of five yeah like it's it's a great movie i just don't think it's better than the first okay uh, and it's hard to say without spoiling anything. It is, it is but. hard to say. But something that I think Ryan Johnson does amazingly in every single project he's ever done, he is very, very good at setup and payoff. Especially in ways in which you don't realize it's setup until it's paid off. And then you're like, that was there's, awesome. There's like a how few they specific do parts where yeah, I don't they spoil even it. change the scene yeah. post after showing it. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second, that's not what happened. Yeah, and then yeah. like 30 minutes later, they show it again. You're like, yeah. oh. Yeah, yeah. I know why you did that. It's really creative in how they uh, and how he edits the movie Mm -hmm. so that he reveals the information at the right time, Mm -hmm. even though he's already shown it to you because throughout the movie, there's hints the entire time. Yeah. And also, I love how 
um, you can see the budget on the screen of this movie. Mm-hmm. They like, cause like they paid a lot for the for Knives Out two and three, and I like you can see it. You can see it on there. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch it as soon as it comes out. Yeah, I, I would I would say try to catch it in theaters first. Everyone knows I'm a, I'm a proponent of going to theaters, but also. My crowd was eating it up. Like it's it, it's like mis- yeah. But I mean, by the time this comes out, they'll have like a day to go watch it. True. So true. But like when it comes out on Netflix, if you have not seen it, even if you have seen it, definitely go watch it for sure. Yes. I know when I go home for Christmas, I'm gonna make my family watch it. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing. I well, another lesson I hope Netflix learns that statistically is proven. Movies do better on streaming when they come out in theaters first. Like that's a stat that no one talks about. That it's like hey. Our biggest launch on every streaming service was something that was already seen mm-hmm. because people get excited to want to watch it. it yeah. yeah. So, you know, hopefully I would love for Netflix to start releasing movies in theaters because then, hey, we could get a Christopher Nolan Netflix movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. But yes. Thank you guys for listening to our Glass Onion and Knives Out mystery review. And before we go. If you liked what you heard today and you want more, don't forget to subscribe to the official Movie Nights YouTube channel for weekly shows and movie reviews. You can also check us out on our social media channels where we post updates, short video clips, and more. Those links can be found in the video description if I remember to put them there. And Kyle here, not only is he hard at work as being a member of the Movie Nights, but he also has his own adventures over on Twitch. Kyler, where can people find you on Twitch? Yeah, you can actually find me on Twitch and YouTube um, at here. I will also try to remember to put links in the description <laughs> for that as well. Yeah, just look at the lower third and check the description. Um, I go live three times a week if you like playing RPG games, if you like playing shooter games, and if you like talking movies, uh, I do one of those ev- one of those every week. Yes. So <laughs> I go live three times a week, yeah. Sunday, Monday, and Fridays. So check me out if you want to uh, just chat and talk about whatever is on the screen at the time. So. Yes, yes. Please yeah. go visit him. I really like your stuff, and I don't watch a whole lot of Twitch. And I've, I, of course, like I start watching because it's like, oh, I'm gonna support my friend. And then as you're, like, watching, I find myself like, taking you with me, and like I'm eating, and, like watching, and I'm just <laughs> like, God, I can't. I guess I should. I guess I have things to do, but like I want to keep watching. It's, it's really good stuff. Thanks. Of course, of course. And uh, that's all we had for you on the show for today. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next week.